There we go. Hello, bigots, bigots and bigettes and nerds and nerdettes. This is the baguette. The baguette. Uh, the baguette in, in this space. Necessitates a baguette. If there was a baguette in space and the baguette self-assemble in space without <laughs> a creator, a God? if Why you... Why do you believe in a God if there is baguette? <laughs> I'm here with Jay Dyer. Um, Jay Dyer of jaysanalysis.com. Big shout out to Jay. We made it. We are, uh, we're actually right on time for me and Jay because we're always casually 30 minutes late on these streams. And uh, Aaron, the big black dude in the chat, he knows that. That's why he gave me the honorary black card, which unfortunately, YouTube doesn't even, I'm not even allowed to use my, my free N-word pass on YouTube for some reason. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So shout out to everyone in the chat. We got Aaron, we got OK, we got Exposing Powerful Lies, got my, my mod crew up in the chat. We got a bunch of Jay nerds, Jay's analysis nerds. Uh, if you guys don't know Jay, Jay runs jaysanalysis.com. Uh, he's got two great books. He is a... Um, is a published author of Esoteric Hollywood 1 and 2. He had a TV show for a little while there. Um, he is a trans boomer activist um, and a uh, boomer hat and boomer shirts rights activist. And, uh, and he's founder, here. Founder, founder of all that movement. Founder of the, the, trans, the trans, trans boomer society of America, which... Boomer rights activism, boomer style activism, yes. Mm, mm -hmm, mm. Prom promoting activism through style. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's his motto. Um, yeah, we're, we're here to talk about Bertrand Russell, the uh, the high priest. Uh, you had a stream a while back. What, what was the title of that? Like the high priest of the scientific establishment or the satanic high priest? Of, um, yeah, something like that. Uh, two or three years ago, yeah, I did a, a Russell video and that was kind of the first one I did, and then I did, I forget what I titled the other one, but yeah, we, we, I've covered two of the books so far, and they're more, uh, he's more interesting and relevant as a geopolitical figure than he is as a philosopher, which ironically he's known for being supposedly the most important logician and philosopher of the uh, last century, but that's all, as we know, part of the propaganda to prop him up as this great thinker. Yeah, the, the greatest logician of all time. We've got, uh, I've got his book right here, The Scientific Outlook. This book mm -hmm. is, it kind of reads like a uh, genocidal maniac's um, uh, ninth grade manifesto after, you know, taking a few classes in Darwinism um, and hanging out on Reddit atheist forums for a bit. The tagline, the noted English philosopher outlines the effect of science upon human life and the nature and scope of scientific knowledge. Uh, we're going to be talking about this book as well as the impact of science on society, which uh, this book's... Yeah, I'm half your size. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm far bigger and far stronger than you. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you for the reminder. Uh, Exposing Powerful Lies donated nice 20 bucks through Super Chat and Streamlabs. Says someone once told me that aliens are fake and gray. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, thank you very much. Oh, wait, why do the vegans all look pale and green? Like they look sickly. Green, gray. Yeah. yeah it's they're grayians. They've uh, <laughs> yeah. They've transcended. They're they're evolving in the next phase. They're like five percent more evolved than us. And uh, <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the, no, the grays are like two thousand percent more evolved. That's why they have the huge eyes and um, total vegan gray skin. Uh, 
So yeah, Exposing Powerful Lies reminded me, you guys, the best way to support, the only way to really support without supporting YouTube, who uh, has screwed our channel royally over the last couple years, throwing us on that naughty list, that shadow ban territory. Only way to support is via Streamlabs. That's the best way. If you guys like these streams, please freaking support the streams via the Streamlabs. And as, as always, we're doing the Streamlabs competition. Whoever sends the biggest super chat is the least bigoted, and I will not report you and get you put on the list of those to be purged from the internet and from the future scientific society. So top of the list of not to be purged if you throw those big, fast super chats. And um, yeah, Jay, Jay how, uh, how, would you, how would you characterize Bertrand Russell as a, as a thinker, as a person, philosopher? What would you call him? My first uh, introduction to him, interestingly, was when I was a philosophy student. So in undergrad, you'll come across Bertrand Russell if you have, you know, logic classes or maybe even um, an epistemology class because he wrote some pretty famous essays that if you had an atheist professor, for example, he will probably try to get you to read. There's a book I read many years ago that I, I don't actually have it anymore, but Russell wrote Why I'm Not a Christian. That was my introduction to him was that he was like the kind of the forefather in a way you could say of the modern new atheist movement right now there have been many atheists obviously in the history of philosophy but for today's you know dawkins hitchens dennett you know those those kinds of guys their granddaddy the vegan gains you know the, the high-powered heavy hitter philosophers like uh vegan gains who you can find on OnlyFans as well um <laughs> I have to say, I do prefer Bertrand Russell's OnlyFans to Vegan Gaines' OnlyFans. So. That's true. Yeah, he's... Well, Bertrand Russell, he's... Uh, I don't want to give anything up. I don't want to spoil it. You guys can subscribe to his OnlyFans if you want. But he does have that kind of that Jeffrey Epstein-shaped penis. It's actually... His penis is actually shaped like... It's, it looks exactly like Jeffrey Epstein. Um, well, if you have a thing for turtles, if you know, like me, you've, you're turtle-philia, you're turned on by turtles, uh, you'll like this elderly man and his... Uh, Spandex nudes. Mm. Right. So, so you mentioned his essay, Why Are You Not a Christian? And uh, a lot of it is surprising to me how many semi-learned people will share this essay as if it's some sort of a massive debunk, God, R-E-K-T, -E you know, we just wrecked you, uh, you theists thing. And yeah, it's, uh, well, I, do you have a critique of that article in particular? I've got yeah, a clip here we can watch. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is that the irony is that the great logician here supposedly has riddled his essay with fallacies. For mm. example, he appeals uh, pretty consistently throughout the essay to, he makes an emotional appeal, right? He says things like no strong, rational, uh, uh, you know, self-reliant individual would need the crutch of a god, mm -hmm. right? Well... That may be, but that is a fallacy. Okay, so appealing to emotion, appealing to the audience's design, you know, it's a trick, right? And all um, fallacies are kinds of tricks, sleight of hand, where you, you do more, it's more like rhetoric or propaganda where you're, you know, who in the audience, I don't want to be a weak person. Why? Those theists are we want. Oh, I shall not be a weak person. There is, yeah, I, I rely on myself, right? And you'll hear this often repeated as kind of a really basic bitch, you know. I mean, J Jesse Ventura does this. I don't need a crutch, therefore I don't believe in a god. You know, that's, mm. that's a literal argument I've heard Jesse Ventura. Well, it comes from Bertrand Russell. So, um, and many other fallacies you can find throughout this famous essay which is also a book, a larger, expanded version of essays. Yeah, I'm trying to find the actual essays. Here it is. 
I think this is it. But it looks like it's from it's a transcript from uh, a lecture. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that, that was my introduction to new atheism was actually Bertrand Russell and that kind of stuff back in about uh, 2001. I think is when I first got into that. And then, of course, Russell has a famous history of philosophy book that a lot of uh, undergrads pick up and, and read. And then people that get more into logic will study the more advanced logic type of stuff. And then, you, you notice he had debates with Kurt Gardell about the existence of God about uh, set theory and mathematical systems. And I think Gerdell refuted Russell with his incompleteness theorems. So that's all relevant to this. But most importantly, as you said, uh, you get the real Russell in what you talked about and in these geopolitical uh, and social theory books. That's really what these are. They're not so much treaties about science or the method of science. These are actually books about social engineering and propaganda, right? So this is more like a, Bertrand, uh, Edward Bernays type of book or a, even an H.G. Wells type of book than about anything really to do with science. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it's yeah, the, the word uh, or the title morals and dogma comes to mind, right? <laughs> it's, all, it's, like, it's like an abridged version of, of morals and dogma, right? It's like kind of this Masonic um, royal society uh, Tome almost, it's almost like it's written for, for like eighth or ninth graders. And I, I said that it's earlier. Well, and I, it's, it's, you know, it's very, it's very simplistic. It's a quick read. Uh, you know, the scientific outlook, very quick read. Um, and very, not very unscientific. There, there's, there's very little talk of science at all in it. Like you said, it's mostly geopolitics, it's mostly talking about um, power politics and his theories, grand theories and grand narrative theories about the world. Um, let me read this super chat here. Just, uh, just get this out of the way because uh, I got a feeling that we will get some decent support tonight. If we every every time uh, every time we get uh, we get this many bigots in, we do get some support from the audience. So Jerome donated twenty five bucks. Says, "What up, bigots? Happy New Year to you both. God bless you and your loved ones. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Jerome. I appreciate that and appreciate the support. Um, the channel could use that support. They could use the thumbs up." guys hit the thumbs up hit the like and all those things that you're supposed to do and share the dang videos doesn't matter how many people watch it the view count's not going to go up youtube seems to fix those but uh i see a bunch of you bigots in the chat and i appreciate you guys who support and um and we always appreciate that support so um let's uh do you, would you uh would you mind if we watch this clip of him discussing whether or not or why he is not a christian and then we can uh maybe maybe critique it and f feel free to just jump in i'll pause it whenever you jump in i'll do my best to uh Smash that pause right when you, uh, if you want to interrupt. The great logician Bertrand Russell. Why are you not a Christian? Because I see no evidence whatever for any of the Christian dogmas. I've examined all the stock arguments in favor of the existence of God, and none of them seem to me to be logically valid. Do you think there's a crack? Oh, he's seen all the arguments. <laughs> oh! That's racism, man. I love to racism, bro. Thank you. Big at X Machina. Threw 25 bucks in the uh, Streamlabs. Thank you, guys. Uh, Streamlabs the best way. Don't do YouTube. YouTube takes a huge cut. Thank you, Big at X Machina. Um, so, yeah, r right away, I, I, I've looked. I've seen all the evidence. I've looked at all the evidence, and it's just like, it does not convince me. Um, he's seen the totality of evidence, right? He's, he's seen it all. <laughs> he knows it's not right. Yeah, well, this is predicated, first of all, on the assumption that everything is 
logically quantifiable, that everything can be categorized as logic. And the irony is that the debate that he has with Gerdell is over that very point, whether everything can be in, enclosed in a logical set or a numerical set uh, or a, a totality explanation that's, that's quantitative set theory. And uh, Russell, Russell loses that debate, but uh, doesn't seem to really affect any of his stances. So even just from a mathematical standpoint, he loses the debate. But um, I don't. I think we we begin to see that it's never really been about uh, truth and logic. It's more so again about a paradigm and a worldview that they're committed to. So hmm. that's the great irony here is that uh, he's not a good logician at all. Well, I mean, he's he's a logician who can't ground logic and reason right. in his worldview at all. So if you were to ask him, what's the evidence for logic? Um, well, I have to tell you the same thing. I, I did not, I've crawled through the evidence and I've not seen any evidence for logic. I do have a Jeffrey Epstein shaped penis, but I don't have any evidence for logic. Political reason for having um, a religious belief for, for many people. Well, it can't be a practical reason for believing what isn't true. Uh, that's quite, at least I rule it out as impossible. Either the thing is true or it isn't. If it is true, you should believe it. And if it isn't, you shouldn't. So again, I mean, well, how do we, how do we determine what's true? And you know, what, what, what do you actually mean well, by that truth? Woman, that woman doesn't give a very uh, good apologetic response. She basically says, okay, well, if religion isn't logical, then maybe it's just pragmatically good. And Russell correctly says... I mean, that's not a good reason. <laughs> that's racism, man. I love to racism, bro. Sorry. So Ru Russell's actually correct, but I mean, her re her reply is weak. It's a terrible argument. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a very poor argument. And, you know, I mean, well, I don't think she's actually trying to. It seems like she's just lobbing softballs, underhanded softballs. Yeah, she to, is. You exactly. know, it's, not, it's not like she's trying to give an apologetic. She's just from the BBC over there to basically promote atheism in the scientific worldview. And uh, yeah, she's lobbing them to it. And uh, if you can't find out whether it's true or whether it isn't, you should suspend judgment. But you can't, uh, it seems to me, a fundamental uh, dishonesty and a fundamental treachery to intellectual integrity to hold a belief because you think it's useful and not because you think it's true. Mm, but so that's that's kind of interesting because in if you read the scientific outlook, and this is something that you pointed out many times, uh, the problem of induction. You want to go ahead and discuss that a little. What's what is the problem of induction, and how does this connect to you know what he just says here? He says, "Oh, you shouldn't just believe something's true for pragmatic purposes or because you wish it was true." Um, right, well, the, the irony is that uh, precisely that point that he has no way to justify the belief in and the use of induction and regularity of nature. Um, and he knows that. And so he actually argues in the book that it's pragmatic. So you, the utilitarian pragmatic justification uh, is what he argues in the book that he just says here is not a good reason to believe something. So fundamental reputation, self reputation, self own. Well, I was thinking of those people who find that um, some kind of religious code helps them to live their lives. It gives... <laughs> this is eyes. Yes, yeah, I've heard this. This, this uh, 
I remember this clip now. This woman yeah. just says, but does it, does it, do people find it useful? It helps them. Yeah. And that's all just pragmatic, subjective, that has nothing to do with whether it's true or false. And Russell is correct to call that out. However, Russell says this about scientism. Yeah, exactly. The scientism Scientific worldview works. It's pragmatic. Yeah, and in, in induction, right? He says <laughs> he says this about induction as well. You know, I mean, he again. It works. It helps people. Yeah. <laughs> in a very strict set of rules, the rights and the wrongs. Yes, but you know, those rules are generally quite mistaken. Uh, great many of them do more harm than good. And uh, again, like so, when you read the scientific outlook. There are many assumptions about things like good, bad. He makes a lot of moral claims. He makes claims about, oh, well, if God exists, God's mean because we have to die and because he didn't make me all powerful. You know, it's, it, these claims yeah. of what's good and well, bad, it all seems to come down to his own personal feeling too, which exactly. is you know, kind of the... Well, let me give you one example of, um, of, of how this is uh, pretty transparent propaganda. So one thing I noticed as I was reading through Scientific Outlook was the the lack of clear explanation of what science and the scientific method is. So what I did was every time Russell gave a different reference or explanation or definition, I wrote it down in the back what it was. And so I have two pages here of all of the different things that Russell says science is. And what's amazing about this is that you'll see how this is outlandish, ludicrous, self-contradictory, all over the place, everything and nothing. It's so elastic that it allows him to say anything and everything, use science, quote, science, scientism is what we're going to call it, yeah. and never really be clear what he's talking about because it's everything and nothing. Listen, he says, science only provides probable certitude. Okay? Now keep in mind each one of these, and that many of them are going to contradict. Science is basic empiricism. Science and its opinions are one with reason itself. Science is knowledge. Knowledge of the general laws or facts of the world is science. Science begins with Galileo. Engineering and technology are science. Science is progress. Science is the power <laughs> of manipulating nature. Science is like divine providence. Science is induction. Mm -hmm. So scientific, he said, the scientific method is almost omnipotent. Scientific knowledge does not stand alone, but only exists within the general body of scientific knowledge. Universal mm -hmm. science is based on assumptions that are universally uh, that are unverifiable, but. Authority in science is also not reliable because it's always correcting itself. Science has no soul. It is only the study of matter. Science is in decay and skepticism has, has caused a loss of faith in, in science. But one day this will be solved. Science all ends in Hume and skepticism, but it's the most reliable way to know things. So this is just, and I can keep going, there's a whole other page, right? Science is like the geometrical laws of the universe. Science is systematic pursuit of knowledge. Science is 
an evolving worldview. Okay, so so right, so knowledge, like what? what where's there's more? I can just keep going, but the, you get the right. Point. No, but it's so it's like he's going in circles all the time. So okay, science yeah, is knowledge. Science is empiricism. Science is induction. It's like the these none of these things actually fit within the narrow mold of truths that he'll accept as facts. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he 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 claims to be essentially an empiricist, but then he doesn't even believe in. He, he, he says science is reason, but he has no reason to believe that reason exists within his worldview. Right. He has no reason to believe that logic exists in his worldview. I found, I found the quote on oh, induction, right? Yeah, it's page 103. Okay. Uh, now, science is reason, and then he says reason is a social construct that the, <laughs> the survival mechanism has basically developed, right? So, okay, cool. It's a social construct. So if you just dominate everybody and get them to think that it's reasonable to uh, wear a muzzle on your face, lock yourself in your home, piss your pants on the floor for the rest of your life, then that's true and good. Uh, actually, on page 91, he says, science is power thought, yes. which is the understanding of causes and the observed chain of events. And this allows you to utilize that power thought. So yep. basically it's will to power here. Yes, yeah, you know, it's funny, you got you got different pages, I guess, you know, you got different Yeah, this, I have this newer uh This uh, one's academic. cool. Uh, this one's actually really cool. I think this is from the I don't know when this one was published. It might be from fifty something. It's an old one. It's falling apart. All right, check out this one. You're gonna like this one. The Hume quote where he talks about Hume throwing doubt upon induction, right? So he says it is easy. You have to do the version rest. It is easy to invent a metaphysic yep. which will have as a consequence that induction is valid. And many men have done so. That's how I have to grab these because yeah. I have the, this means I, I have these legit glasses that are on Those the are the you have the Bertrand Russell boomer. I have the Bertrand Russell book glasses. This Those are the rough, decoder I'm glasses. Smarter, but I, just, I just gained like 20 IQ points by doing that. Yeah. Those are the, the boomer, the Q boomer decoder glasses. And when you put those on, you they get to show see, me what's really going on. They show you the plan that you trust. Um, I see the, trust it. <laughs> it is easy to invent a metaphysic. I see the science when I put these on, right? The Q yes. science plan from Bertrand Russell. Absolutely. It is easy to invent a metaphysic which will have as a consequence that induction is valid. And many men have done so, but they have not shown any reason to believe in their metaphysic except that it was pleasant. So then he goes on to say, he says, but it must be admitted that in theory, induction remains an unsolved problem of logic. As yep. this doubt, however, affects practically the whole of our knowledge, <laughs> we may pass it by and assume pragmatically that inductive procedure with proper safeguards is admissible. <laughs> so, now listen to this. Yeah. This is another one of my favorite contradictions here in this book. Uh, he says, minds are not real, nor are numbers real objects. Minds and numbers are products of matter and perhaps even social constructs. So the minds that discover and create numbers and science are not real. So everything therefore, is a social construct. Is not real. Yeah, science is a social construct, right? And therefore, it's not real. Correct. But but that's the same reason he gives. That's the same the assumption he makes about God and religion, right? So to to discredit religion, he says, "Oh, we can't just believe in something because it's pragmatically useful to you, unless it's induction." And this is nothing but a giant bundle of contradictions and nonsense. <laughs> I mean, we could end the stream right there. It's like, but uh, <laughs> Bertrand Russell. So contradictory, the greatest logician of all time, and he doesn't even believe that logic is real, but says, let's just assume logic. So Bertrand Russell is almost as good of a logician as ask yourself. 
um, and uh, and vegan gains. He's that that tier of of logician. Um, so so he actually has a, a whole chapter on scientific metaphysics, uh, which is a fascinating chapter. Isn't that the one? Is that the one that has the quote that you mentioned of like science being power thought? Um, oops. Page yeah, there, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Let me see what page 91 is. That is the page in my copy about the chapter on... Limitations. Science, of religion. science and religion is that chapter. Okay. I mean. So I've got... That's weird. I wonder if they, if they rearrange it because I've got it in the limit. It's in the limitations of scientific method section. Um, and he says it's essentially power thought, the sort of thought that is to say whose purpose, conscious and unconscious, is to give power to its possessor. Now, power is... But this is where it says minds aren't real, page 91, mm-hmm. where it says power thought. Minds aren't real. So the, so he didn't write this book, right? This is the, remember what we said to JF, mm-hmm. right? I am a monkey and a program machine. Oh, then you don't want, uh, you know, money for the book that you wrote, right? For sure. You don't need that. <laughs> like we don't give money to machines, right? So why do you want money for the book that you wrote? You're not a monkey. You don't have a mind. There's no self. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it's it's, a re- it's unbelievable that this is what passes for uh, the greatest philosophy of the 20th century. But when you understand the power of propaganda and that the the system picks these people to promote them and put them up, just like we see Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye today or Richard Dawkins, no different than Russell. Yep. They're just put there as celebrity science men. Mm-hmm. They're more like just actors and celebrities than actual, quote, scientists. Absolutely, absolutely. And the chapter, Scientific Metaphysics, in the Scientific Outlook, is him trying to reconcile with this, right? I mean, he seeks to destroy the previous uh, <clears throat> you know, pe- people's old, outdated beliefs in gods. Uh, he seeks to destroy God and religion, but then realizes that there is a need to there is a need for metaphysics, right? So he actually recognizes this in the books. This is a curious fact that just when the man in, in street has begun to believe thoroughly in science, the man in the laboratory has begun to lose his faith, right? Because you can't be a scientist, you can't be a real scientist without seeing you know the mysteries of creation. <laughs> you can't see your, what you're actually doing is probing unprobable mysteries to a certain extent when you're looking at phenomena like electricity, which we don't fully understand, gravity, which is a theory, a theoretical framework to describe phenomena in the natural world, which we cannot fully grasp, understand, or control. Um, and in this chapter, he talks about what he calls a, uh, a Promethean madness. Right, uh, yeah. a, a value well, that is religious and uh, not political or even moral, and that the ultimate value of human life is to be found in this quote Promethean madness of right. seeking power over the forces of nature, of becoming gods, and of taking control of our own evolution. Right. So he, well, go ahead. Well, I'd like to add to that point that this is why the first chapter of this book is not about science or the scientific method. It's about the heroes of the hall of science so this always makes me think of if you read hebrews 11 for example that chapter is sometimes called the, the hall of faith because it's a uh, an account of the great saints of the old testament and their faithfulness right so it's like the hall of faith well bertrand russell basically tells a story he gives a narrative of 
oh, the many men of science that have been persecuted by the church and the superstitious. And this hall of great scientists right. has produced the progress that we have today. The saints, right. the saints of progress, right? The, and, the and of course, it's like Galileo, Newton, Darwin, right? Uh, mm. Pavlov, yeah. right? All these goblins. Well, pa Pavlov and Freud and Darwin seem to be like the shining stars of, you know, that's like the, but, the, the satanic so, holy trinity so here, of Darwin's religion. So this chapter begins with there being no telos. There's no purpose out there in the world. Oh, but there is a great purpose and story that's told to you about the progress of the great scientists advancing man's knowledge towards whatever our predefined goal is, even though there is no goal. There are no minds. Isaac Newton wasn't a man with a mind. Minds don't exist. I mean, you see the stupidity of it? This is what people fall for. How could you fall for this obvious absurdity? Right. Unless you weren't willing to fall for this kind of absurdity. Well, in this in this chapter that you're talking about, his you know the Bertrand Russell's satanic saints of the scientific worldview, Pavlov, Freud. Um, he doesn't talk about Skinner. Who's the other one? Uh, Darwin. Newton, Darwin. Yeah. Yeah, and um, these are the, the essentially the saints of what he says is the new religion. Like this he says is it's the religion. Yeah, this is the new global get, religion. They don't realize that. He basically attributes all the divine powers and providence that God previously had to science. Yeah. And that's why science in the, in the list that I gave you is anything and everything. But what's crazy is this new religion, when you actually start to look at it, it's the same as the old religion. It's a revival of paganism. It's neo-paganism. It's belief that we ourselves are God. We are all one. We are all part of this one living substance in the uh, you know in the the growing and evolving and ever expanding universe that is God and everything is God, but nothing's really God, right? And and it's all just power politics and the will to power. So then whoever has the strongest will to power, i.e., dominates and subjugates the forces of nature uh, and uh, of course man around him will become the king of evolution, the top of the of the dung pile of the universe. Uh, the, uh, the you know the the aborted dung pile of the universe, and they will be the you know the king of of the pee pee and the poo poo forever, and um, and that's that's why I titled this Bertrand Russell and the New Religion of the Old Gods because I think you're you're a really good person to talk uh, about this with because you've studied ancient religions you've studied um, occultism and you understand the roots of the scientific method. And the scientific outlook, which is you know Bertrand Russell's uh, book here, and those those roots do go back to to occultism, right? Through well, John Dee. Yeah, through... and and uh, one route to that, believe it or not, would actually be somebody you wouldn't expect, and that would be uh, Richard Dawkins. Now you say, how would you get from Richard Dawkins to ancient paganism? I thought he was the shining light of science and reason, and you know the war against superstition. Well, there's been an interesting movement in Richard Dawkins in the last several years to move from that uh, rank atheism towards being more open to things like pantheism, a form of pantheism, uh, that nature itself and the movement and energy of nature is what we call God and the idea of the alien mythology. Now, as we just covered in the stream before I came on with you, the alien mythos is the ancient pagan God's myth. It's the exotheology. And Darwinism and pantheism and exotheology and alien, that, that all works very well together. 
So the mythology of scientism, such as the Big Bang, right? This is very similar to ancient Hindu myths. The idea of man um, evolving out of a primordial soup or out of clay or out of dirt from lightning bolts. This is Greek myths, right? The idea of evolution existed, I think, in, a, in some form in yeah, ancient Egyptian philosophy and theology too. So Hinduism is really the long, long, long back root of evolutionary aeons that produce, you know, man and this kind of stuff from lower forms. Reincarnation is, is similar here to this uh, yeah. principle. And in so Hinduism, it's like it's Hinduism just like a mishmash. You, get, you know, the Big Bang is basically a secular myth that, you know, we don't have a god or an agent or cause of this Big Bang or this becoming to be. Uh, all of the universes of the, of the galaxy, all the, uh, everything in the, in the, all the galaxies of the universe were all smushed into an atom and it popped one day. I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, yeah. who believes that? If you just stopped and thought, so how does everything smash into the size of an atom and blow up one day? Yeah, nothing, it's, nothing, something evolves, something creation. evolves from nothing and then rocks become conscious of themselves and then take control of the nothing and so evolve there you see, the exactly. So the scientific worldview is itself always and has, has always been just mythology and, and, and mythological science fiction fantasy worldview. Mm. It's no different than ancient Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. ancient Hinduism is just kind of, it's not like there was, a, there was like one doctrine of Hinduism. Hinduism is just this mashup of all these different right. gurus' beliefs yeah. that they pragmatically take up. You know, I mean, there's thousands of temples all throughout India, and they call them all Hindu temples, but they're, you know, they're thousands of gods that anybody could just make up their new god. You got the monkey god and Shiva the destroyer and Hanuman, and you, you have all of these, you know, these cannibal tribes who, you know, worship eating brains and stupid shit like this. Um, it's just this mashup of all these, you know, all these uh, pre-Christian, all these pagan beliefs uh, that are basically people that are doing the same thing as Bertrand Russell, pragmatically taking a worldview into their hands and using it as a weapon for the will to power. Which, yeah, I'm half your size. Oh, uh, oh no. Oh, sorry. Hey, let me let me read some super chats real quick. Thank thank you guys. We got a uh, Rusty Shackle 4D just became the, the top bigot of the chat and proved himself the least bigoted. And congratulations, Rusty, Rusty Shackle 4D. You and, we'll say you and one of your loved ones will be exempt from, uh, from the coming purge. We're gonna put you on that, that elite list and you will get, you'll get, a, uh, <clears throat> you'll get a special dose <laughs> um, when, when, when they come around. Thank you very much, Rusty Shackle 4D. You didn't even say anything, but donated a big fat 50 bucks. Appreciate that. Anthony Westcott through 499 through Super Chat says Tyra Horeca. What is that? You know what that is? Tyra Horeca? Okay. Tyra Horeca. I don't know. Is that like a. Guys, oh. if you want to be the big man, the big daddy. Ryan S1980 wants to be the big man and the big daddy. He says it's tragic that they teach the Big Bang evolution, how in schools, and it's as absolute fact when it couldn't be further from the truth. Do you have anything to say about that? Big Bang, evolution, where does that come from, the idea of the Big Bang? Well, the irony is that if you recall, you know, uh, Russell says that the scientific method in one of his many infinite definitions is uh, empirical sense data, hmm. right? Um, does anyone have empirical sense data of what happened at the zero point atom exploding, molecule exploding, beginning of the Big Bang? No. 
Dude, the Hubble Space Telescope can see into time space, bro. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, I mean, if we're just going to go into that, I mean, why don't we <laughs> Red shift and blue shift, sci-fi man. Sci-fi writers, right? Like, let's just do science fiction and say anything. Yeah, right. Well, that's kind of what it becomes, right? Well, how about this? this idea? Red shift and blue shift for stars. It's like all uh, this. This proves evolution, and this proves uh, this proves the uh, you know, the structure of the universe. Just stop and think about somebody claiming to know what happened 11 million years ago, and then what happened one billion years ago, and then what happened five billion years ago. I mean, it's just utterly ridiculous, dude. We can't people people don't even know what happened at the end of 2020 anymore. <laughs> the end, like the, what, what's happened over the last three months is uh, as Twitter likes to say contested and uh, yeah so so <laughs> but we're, so we're and, and the people who by the way who, who have told us that just look up black holes okay two five years ago black holes were the rage mm. one year ago we've been told that black holes don't exist now you'll find <laughs> the same science magazine tell, putting out articles about black holes and then showing that they don't exist now I understand that science works on the basis of arguments and disproving I'm just saying that 90% of this pop science stuff at space.com or uh, I fucking love science or whatever it's just stories it's myth it's narrative it's nothing to do with empirical sense data there's no empirical sense data that can tell you what happened 11 million years ago or a billion years ago you can tell a story but that's storytelling, bro. That's science fiction. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And the scope of the claim, the scope of the knowledge claims, just keeps getting bigger and bigger and dumber and dumber. Um, and changes. It's it's yeah. it's constantly in revolution and change. But yeah. that's how you know that it's not legit because people don't even remember that junk DNA was supposedly supposedly this like central proof for uh, evolution 10 years ago and now there's no such thing as junk DNA and you can exactly. find a clip of Dawkins saying the exact opposite of himself well, I've always said that junk DNA is the strongest proof of evolutionary theory and then a new clip 10 years later mm. I've never said anything but junk DNA is a lie it proves there is no junk DNA and the fact that there's no junk DNA proves evolutionary theory people have compiled the clips of him contradicting yeah. himself yeah that guy's got the worst voice um, he, he's very similar to, to uh, Bertrand. They, they'd be they'd be buddies. Him and Bertrand Russell. They'd uh, they'd be hanging out in the uh, in the brothels together. Uh, we got autistic spectrum warrior donated ten bucks. Says Bertrand is like a muppet with a devil's hand up his back passage. Sounds <laughs> sounds about right. Do, uh, Matt donated Australian twenty bucks. Thanks, Matt. Hope everything's okay. Looks over. like an old tur- like a cartoon turtle. It looks old like a man. it looks like a old turtle cartoon. a turtle on opium. Um, <laughs> He says, appreciate the content, fellas, and we appreciate the support, and the channel needs you guys' support. If you like these streams, support the streams, please, guys. Thank you very much for that support, Matt. Simon James donates 10 bucks. says, uh, Simon James says 10 bucks. says, sometimes these gifts are funny. Most of the time, they're annoying. <laughs> Anyways, keep up the greater reset work. Okay, I saw your comment earlier. I saw, you, I saw your complaint earlier, and I turned off the notifications until just now, and I started reading Super Chats. So while I'm reading the Super Chats, if you send a Super Chat, we'll get notifications. But otherwise, Simon James, you win. Sometimes people like them. Sometimes I like them. Sometimes I don't. And uh, thank you very much for the support. Duly noted. You mostly hate them, but sometimes like them. Uh, DB donates Canadian five bucks through Super Chat. Thank you, DB. Skateboarding teens in Hawaii. <laughs> right, and you just imagine Good them timing. shirtless all day. Right. All day. I love that one. That one never annoys me. Skateboarding teens in the way in Hawaii. 
Imagine Dr. Gregor and Bertrand Russell, <coughs> like at the, the, what would they do together on a night out? They'd probably go to a brothel, right? That's what they, they Bertrand Russell, Dr. Gregor, hitting up the, uh, the brothel, um, uh, together. DB donates Canadian 10 through Super Chat, says the only black woman. They would do experiments. They would do science. But you don't understand that because you're superstitious. You don't understand that. That's true. Some of us are out there for the truth, right? I mean, yeah, the truth that doesn't exist. That the truth that we just get to make up pragmatically that doesn't exist. Um, DB Donuts Canadian ten bucks says the only black hole I've ever seen is Neil deGrasse Tyson leading you down the rabbit hole to oblivion. Um, that's that started out like almost sounded like it was going to be racist, but then you recovered in the end by mentioning the rabbit hole to oblivion. So. It, Thank you very much, DB. You've proven you're not a bigot two times with one super chat. DB donates Canadian five bucks again. Says love these philosophical live streams. Um, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Exposing powerful lies. Thank you very much. Jerry donates ten bucks. Says thank you, Vegan Gains, for all you do. With all you, with your strong leadership, we will make the world vegan. <laughs> Wait, but with question mark. We will make the world vegan. Uh, Bertrand Russell will be proud of the world we will create. Oh shoot, wrong channel. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate that, guys. Um, yeah, so go, go for it. I was just looking at the other book uh, and, and recalled that, like, right away at the beginning of uh, Impact of Science Society, says there's no such thing as purpose in the world or in nature. Then your books have no purpose or meaning. <laughs> right. I mean, if that's an all encompassing statement. Right? If nothing in the world in a universal sense has purpose, nature has no purpose, we are products and mutations of nature with no purpose, then we have no purpose. Our books, our writings, and our sentences have no purpose. Hmm. So Bertrand Russell is saying his book has no purpose, has no meaning. But by the way, follow everything I say in my book and listen to the meanings that I give you and don't believe in God. Right. And the, but at the same time, there's no purpose, yet he's always making moral statements, assuming things like purpose and good and bad. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Basic, basic, basic fallacies. Hmm. So, um, so qu- quantum theory starts to come up, right? So he, he does, because, he starts and to... that allows him to say, uh, well, we don't know if there's an external world. We don't know uh, of anything. We're basically still stuck in human skepticism and quantum physics bullshit shows us this. So we can never know. But uh, don't worry because one day science will figure out how to answer that question. Just so, in other words, faith. Yeah. Oh, it's faith-based. I, th- I thought we were not doing the faith-based thing. But Russell literally says... Trust science down the road will have an answer to the questions that we can't answer right now. That's called faith. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. And it was, uh, that's what it seems like. Quantum theory, almost uh, quantum theory, seems to be this way of quantum theory is the uh, reintroduction of metaphysics and mysticism to scientism. It's a clever out for them to anything that's problematic or contradictory. They can just appeal to. The quantum phone, dude, it doesn't work like anybody thinks. It's just crazy like that, bro. It's just crazy, dude. Which is nonsense. Hello? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was just okay. waiting. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, it's a quantum theory. They're, they're, they're reconciling the mystery. The fact that the mysteries of the universe are, are there and it's inexplicable things that science is unable to probe like th- things like logic and reason, which he admits earlier, um, yeah. and 
Yeah, we, quantum theory is going to explain all of this. And with quantum theory, you've got this essential kind of a negation of all of all logic and of all reason and of all knowledge, right? You know, the spooky action at a distance. Quantum theory mm-hmm. kind of turns everything on its head and basically makes it to where it's everything is relative and then just justifies this moral relativism and even physical relativism and scientific relativism uh, down to a, um, a solipsism. Correct, and he admits solipsism and the fact that we can never know that the world that we're experiencing isn't just a projection of our mind. Like exactly. he, and he doesn't even believe in causality, ultimately. He says quantum physics. Well, because he's, just, yeah. he's, he's admitting that we're stuck in Hume's dilemma. I mean, everything that Hume said is still applicable now to people who are basic bitch empiricists. And it's, I mean, this is just so easily refutable hmm. from a philosophical perspective. Yeah. It's self-refuting. That's why you don't have to... It doesn't take a PhD to see that this doesn't work. It's self-refuting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's just so, his whole chapter on scientific metaphysics. Uh, it, it does really end with a bang. I got a, I got a quote here. <laughs> it ends with a big bang. Um, uh, and not that I would undervalue science as a metaphysic, but the value of science as a metaphysic belongs in another sphere. It belongs with religion and art and love, with the pursuit of the beatific vision, with the Promethean madness that leads the greatest men to strive to become gods. Perhaps the ultimate, the only ultimate value in human life is to be found in this Promethean madness, but it is a value that is religious, not political or even moral. It is this quasi-religious aspect of the value of science, which appears to be succumbing to the assaults of skepticism. Until quite recently, men of science have felt themselves the high priests of a noble cult, namely the cult of truth. Not truth as the religious sects understand it, i.e. as the battleground of a collection of dogmatists, but truth as a quest, a vision faintly appearing and again vanishing. A Why are we on a quest <laughs> if nothing has purpose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a a hoped-for sun to meet the Heraclitian fire in the soul. <laughs> so he, he, he even brings up the old Greek gods. He even... He even he, he's, he's justifying the old pagan gods and admitting... That scientific, the scientific worldview that he that he uh, proclaims to profess is, it, it is religious at its core, and not just religious, but a very specific religion that's mentioned in two different references: the Promethean madness and the Heracletian fire in the soul. Prometheus stealing the fire of the gods to give to man, which is you know this yeah, so is scientism is Luciferian exactly, exactly the light the light bearers. We are we are the light bearers of the new age. And we will bring in a new age when we become gods. Now, to really seal the deal, by the way, I would, I'd like to stress that impact of science on society is where... Now, there's a lot of really good uh, quotes about kind of where, he's, where he sees the future global system going, especially his positive comments about Lenin and, and communism and Trotsky in here. Mm-hmm. But this, remember, is 1931. And scientific uh, impact is 1953. So 20 years later, he's had a lot more time to reflect and look and study the geopolitical situation. And he can go on to say, by the way, he does mention that the elite will eat real meat and the masses will eat fake food in this. In impact, he goes on to say, in the future, the global government will control food and genetically modify not just food, but the babies. The genetically modified babies and the masses will be controlled by Pavlov, 
Freud and entertainment and pomp, not logic, because the masses don't use logic. He says they will, in fact, be so controlled uh, on page 30 that they will be, if they are told that, that snow is black, they will believe it because they are entrained to believe it by the global elite that manipulate them. That's page again, 29, 30, 31. And he's saying, he's not saying, oh, I'm a liberal, I want to stop all this. No, he's saying that the oligarchy of the future will set up this technocratic state. He says they will have an inquisition that will quiz you on what you believe and whether you are sufficiently believing what they tell you. And he says they'll even have child spies that will rat on everybody in this gigantic global technocratic republic built on Plato's republic that will engage in terraforming the planet, that will engage in cloud seeding, uh, and it'll be a, uh, a, a stabby-based government, he says on page 50 and 51. And he says, if you don't uh, accept it, uh, you won't live. They will remove you. You will be, you will, he says, you will come to them to explain why you should be kept alive. And he says that it will be under the uh, auspices of democracy, but it will have nothing to do with democracy. It'll be a scientific technocratic priest class that will see the machine as God, and they will view the society as a machine, he says. It will be based around corporate statism, the lie of democracy, and bare authority with nothing to back it up, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be backed up because you're going to be basically dumbed down, right? To where you can't oppose it or would, you would never even think to oppose it. Why would you oppose it? Right? And he says this will be international. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for the... Uh... By the way, he has a poem that he cites uh, and he, he says that my true love, my true God is death. He quotes this poem on page 78, which is, I don't know who this is, some random poem. He's saying, you want to know my God and what I like? It's death. And then, by the way, he appeals to pragmatism and bare force. He says the coming technocratic government, they don't care about defending and making their actions rational to you because it's all pragmatic and by force. It's intentionally irrational. Right. This is what people have a hard time understanding. And then he says that, in fact, it'll be great if we can have a giant plague uh, uh, going around that does massively depopulate. This is what we're talking about here. This guy, is, by the way, he predicts peak oil here, too. He says, we'll end industrialization and come up with peak oil. Uh, that's on page 99. And I think that this is so over the top, this one, and just so in your face. People don't believe that it can be true. They don't believe that Bertrand Russell says this or that he's written this. Because I've read this book for years. I've talked about it for a long time. And the, the many people that I bring it up to, they will just sit, they will literally not even think it's real. Like, and if you show them the book, they'll say, yeah, but he doesn't say what you say. I mean, it's like, talk about cognitive dissonance. I mean, mm. it's wild. The yeah. book is Scientific, The Impact of Science on Society, Russell's book in uh, 1953. Now, again, he is playing the part of a liberal. He's not actually a liberal. He's a hard, hardcore genocide opponent. He wants most of the earth dead. He mm -hmm. says that. 
So, I mean, if that's what liberal is, <laughs> then yeah, he's a liberal. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he wants, he talks about mass the population very often. He talks wouldn't about, it be great if we had some plagues going around, right? Who else says that? Oh, right. Uh, uh, not Prince Charles, but the, the other one. What's his name? Well, of course, can't you guess? I'd like to come back as a plague. Right? What's his name? Duke. The Duke of Philip. Canterbury. Prince Philip. What's his name? Prince Philip. See, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he says, one of, the, one of the possibilities of the future, which may have great importance, is the control of climate by artificial means, right? So already this idea we have to control the climate, right? We, we who are going to become the gods have to control the climate, which, I mean, this has become one of the central dogmas of scientism now. This idea of, uh, it, it, you know, if you, there are too many people, and if you just pay more carbon taxes, if you pay taxes on your exhalations uh, and, and kill all of your babies in the womb, then the climate will stop changing, right? This, this superstitious, ridiculous um, control mechanism that's been developed. Oh, get those numbers down. And at the same time, though, we, we really we see that there are massive uh, climate modification and weather modification programs that have been going on uh, since at least the 1920s. Um, mm. with controlling weather through controlling artificial cloud cover. And he says, to the modern man, his, his physical environment is merely raw material, an opportunity for manipulation. He doesn't just see the physical world this way. He sees man's mental, psychological, and spiritual world that way as well, right? So he says, the power of producing changes in the world, which is possessed by the leaders of big business at, in this present age, far exceeds the power ever possessed by individuals in the past. They may not be as free to cut off heads as were Nero or Genghis Khan, but they can settle who shall starve and who shall become rich. They can divert the course of rivers and decree the fall of governments. And we're seeing a lot of this lately, aren't we? All history shows that great power is intoxicating. Fortunately, the modern holders of power are not quite yet aware how much they could do if they chose. But when this knowledge draws upon them, uh, dawns upon them a new era in human tyranny is to be expected. So he acts like, oh, well, no, this is, this is going to be bad. But then later on in this book, he talks about how the Bolshevik Revolution, the Soviet Union is this great experiment in human... Great experiment. Yeah. yeah. He, loved, he used the word experiment. Yeah. In, in human farming, essentially, right? Like he sees humans as just beasts to be farmed. Uh, he, sees, he sees truth as just something that's relative as well, right? Like it, it's just... Well, I mean, now you see why they believe the evolutionary worldview, right? Humans are uh, just like the farm animals and they're farmed. And experimented on, and hence the caste system, right? The British model, uh, the you know that model of uh, uh, social Darwinism is exactly what you have in that caste system, and that's why that was so useful in uh, for the British Empire. Yeah, and and he's such a classic British thinker, right? This uh, a, a genocidal maniac. Cloaked in this you know, demure, smirking, uh, eyebrow twitching. Yes, uh, gentleman, right? He, he's the, the Bill Gates of his day, right? Oh, well, he's a man of science. Oh, he's a man of science. Oh, get the numbers down. He's, right? got, he's got that Pfizer, that Pfizer Bell's palsy eye, too. It's looking, looking pretty good there. Um, it's it just, this is so hypocritical. He, the dude even looks demonic, but check this out. Men need a faith which is robust and real, not timid and half hearted. Well, didn't you say several times in this book that real is just a social uh, construct, that truth is just a social construct, right? So we need a faith that's true, 
But that's just a social mm-hmm. construct, of course. And if you just convince a, the mass, the vast majority of men that it's true and good, then that makes it true because might makes right. He says this. So he said, then he says, men need a faith with uh, faith which is robust and real, not timid and half-hearted. Science is in its eth- uh, essence nothing but the systematic pursuit of knowledge. And knowledge, whatever ill uses bad men may make of it, is in its essence good. Right. So power is good. Knowledge is power. Power is good. And whatever men make of it is simply, it is what it is because power is good in and of itself, right? It says to lose faith in knowledge is to lose faith in the best of man's capacities, which is just the capacity for the will to power, as he says earlier. And therefore, I repeat unhesitatingly that the unyielding rationalist has a better faith and a more unbending optimism than any of the timid seekers after the childish comforts of a less adult age. So again, classic... British imperialist thinking, um, atheist imperialist thinking, completely violent and genocidal towards anybody that disagrees with him. But that's okay because might makes right and he is the elite in his own mind. He believes that he is this you know, intellectual titan who wields the, uh, the sword of power and can dominate mm-hmm. with it. Therefore, that makes him right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the irony here is that again... Um, it's simultaneously contradictory, but also very revelatory and in a way consistent because if there is no purpose, then it kind of leads to pragmatism and will to power and pragmatism and will to power are perfectly consistent with the Darwinian mythos, right? Social, social Darwinism is, uh, you know, part and parcel of this attitude and this worldview that we have where literally worshiping death, right? And why would he worship death? It's not because he necessarily believes in a literal angel of death, but if I look out of the natural world and I see life, I see things giving birth, right? I also see this process of death. And death is just as necessary as life if I just have this kind of naturalistic perspective, right? So if you don't have a biblical perspective, for example, there's no doctrine of the fall. Right. So you don't see death as an enemy, death as something to, um, you know, seek for salvation from in Christ's resurrection. You just see natural process and natural process just is right. There's no right or wrong, good or bad. There is just what is. And this is why Russell is correct in the sense of being consistent with David Hume to say that you can't really get values from what is. You can't get an, an ought from an is. Right. There's no logical leap from the fact that something is the case that it ought to be this or that or not be this, this or that. And so there is no morals, there is no truth, there is no purpose. Therefore, the scientific priest class will co-opt that. And he makes reference to Plato, he makes reference to the noble lie, right, which is Plato's idea that the God state, the God world state, the Republic, has absolutely the right to concoct a fake religion that you will worship and you will submit to because it's run by the philosopher king, the priest class, and you are nothing but a servant to that. You're, you're the body of the, right? So for Plato, it's a man, right? The workers are the body. They're at the bottom. The soldiers, which are the guardian class, they're like the heart. They're the courage. And then the philosopher king is the mind, the highest level here. Yep. So these priest class people see themselves as the most evolved. They're the... Uh, uh, you know, holders of reason. And you, everyone else, we are the body of this entity that they control. And 
for all intents and purposes for them is nothing. It's, it's just the natural process for the predatory elite to rid themselves of excess, yeah. right? I mean, what do predators in nature do? Lions eat other animals. Yeah. It's just, we're just animals. So just... Yeah. Why not be predators and prey? That's the, it. The best thing you can do, the way that you win the game of evolution, is you become top monkey, right? You kill the males, right. you take the females, you, you get the biggest harem, and you depopulate everybody else. And and you know, that quote I said earlier ties into this too, right? Like where he says, you, you mentioned he 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 worships, he, I worship death. He said in this poem, or he you know he referenced the poem about worshiping death, correct? Well, right. he says here, the, you know the the scientific elite can now decide who shall starve and who shall become rich, right? So like we have power over the natural resources, the flow of natural resources, and this idea is manifesting itself in this great reset situation that we see going on now, right? The control of but, resources. Yeah, says that it'll be a scientific medical dictatorship that mm -hmm. will be based around your food and your diet and your health. And he says yes. that um, one, one thing he speculates about is when the world state comes into being, he says one good thing would be um, maybe a, a nuke war, right? He says, but a nuke war might not actually be the best way to go about global war and catastrophe, he says, because uh, that might screw the planet up for us. He's like, so maybe actually a bioweapon that could be engineered that um, doesn't kill us, basically. He says, maybe that's a better method. Right? So he says, but regardless when the Republic world state is put into place, he says they will have strict controls on uh, breeding. Uh, there will be uh, global infanticide. Um, it will be based purely on Darwinism and the scientific mythos. So this is the mythos of the coming world state, you say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here I got the quote from uh, uh, The Impact of Science on Society. If you think that Jay's somehow being. Uh, um, hyperbolic in this claim he's, he's not at all I, I would say that maybe Jay even he maybe he even he did not sugarcoat it but maybe he even understated the, the, the nastiness of this dude the way he speaks in this book so he says uh, bad things as you say are exceptional and can be dealt with by exceptional methods this has been more or less true during the honeymoon period of industrialism but it shall not remain true unless the increase of population in the world is enormously diminished War, so far, has had no very great effect on this increase, which continued through each of the world wars. War has been disappointing in this respect, but perhaps biological war may prove more effective. If a black death could spread through the world once in every generation, survivors could procreate freely without making the world too full. The state of affairs may be somewhat unpleasant, but what of it? Really high-minded people are indifferent to happiness, especially other people's. That's a quote from The Impact of Science Upon Society. Well, yeah, the, the other thing, too, that, and this is what uh, detractors will say, is they'll be like, you misunderstand. He's not necessarily saying he wants these things. He's being a cold and calculated rational scientist who says that this is just simply what the future uh, world state will have to do on the basis of reason and science. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point is that he's playing the part of a liberal, and of course he believes these things. And th this is like the, the, the British elite worldview. It's like, oh, uh, we, yeah. we, we just, it's, we it's must... what you always talk about with Lord Burgundy. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. the guys the same way, right? Oh, oh mm. if, if we could just breed a nation of industrial industrial dollars, uh, um, industrious dollars, and, and pepper society with them uh, to, to keep us entertained, that would just be lovely. You know, the, these people, they all write about how the state should take control of breeding. They're all pro-eugenics, right? The eugenics movement came out of the so-called elite, the intellectual elite of the eastern seaboard of the United States and England. That was exported to the Wilhelm Reich Institute in Germany and right. used as an experiment right, by these big money oligarchs who are beyond nations, right? So the, these people, uh, you know, when you look at thinkers like Bertrand Russell, these people are, are actually, you know, these, these are like, ang he's an Anglo supremacist, um, mm. racial supremacist, racially driven ideology uh, is, is what is behind this and the genocide that this man uh, openly talks about is is a major part of the system that we see being rolled out now at many levels, right? So you, you mentioned him talking about using injections and diet as a way to control populations. And Jay's not just saying that. He's not just making that up. Like, that's real. He, here's the quote from Bertrand Russell. He says, diet, in, I, won't, I won't make you suffer through this nasally voice. Uh, make you suffer through my uh, California retard accent nasally voice instead. Diet, injections, and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Even if all are miserable, all will believe themselves happy because the government will tell them they are so. That's a quote from him. This guy is insane. These are crazy people that are running our world. These are crazy genocidal maniacs that set policy. These are crazy people, and they always say that they're doing it to, to help you. They're doing it to bring about equality. They're stopping the big, mean racists. They're stopping the climate from changing. They're stopping... Well, they laugh at the people that actually believe that, too. When, yeah. If you're dumb enough to believe that that's what this is about. <laughs> right. You want, to, look, you want to listen to... We got this quote on world government... Economic inequality and overpopulation is probably a good, a good transition. Uh, let's check this out. And, you know, interrupt at any time, and I'll just pause it. Lord Russell, what do you think the world needs to reach a happier state? Well, I think there are three things that are needed if the world is to adapt itself to the Industrial Revolution. The troubles we are suffering now are essentially troubles due to adapting ourselves to a new phase of human life, namely the industrial phase. Yeah, it's, it's very Klaus Schwab-esque, isn't it? Well, at that time, the industrial phase was what they wanted, and now the elite want the post-industrial phase. Yeah. The, the fourth industrial revolution is what they call it, which is a new type of revolution which is uh, surveillance state-run surveillance technology everywhere ubiquitous inside your biology biological tracking and tracing of everything um, contact tracing which is uh, uh, eugenics essentially you're, you understand this contact tracing and deciding who you're allowed to be around who you're allowed to hear who you're allowed to speak with who you're allowed to be coming in contact with this is open eugenics right run through cybernetic systems and interfaces that were designed by big tech, implemented by huge corporations, genocidal maniacs, the corporations like IBM, uh, continued by people like Bill Gates uh, in order to control population and breeding. 
Um, so, yeah. Three things are necessary if people are to live happily in the industrial phase. One of these is world government. The second is an approximate economic equality between different parts of the world. And the third is a nearly stationary population. World government, international communism, and uh, tightly controlled uh, breeding. Mm -hmm. So a global technocratic eugenics state. That's what we need to be happy. (laughs) You need need this to be happy. And that's why Klaus says you will get this and you will (laughs) force you to be happy. (laughs) It's amazing. Klaus Schwab is like like the, uh, the spiritual offspring of this dude. Yeah, absolutely. The world government. The, the world government should be, of course, a federal government. Leaving Global, world federalism, so really similar to H.G. Wells' proposals. Right, exactly. Well, they're and both a, in the Royal Society. So. Right. Uh, with League of Nations, UN. Um, these are the vehicles that have been chosen for this. The UN sits on land donated by Rockefeller. Um, the stated purpose of these are a world federal superstate to, um, to control resources, human movement, Human breeding and everything about our lives, you know, one, yeah. but but they don't think the United Nations has done enough yet, right? The World War One and World War Two, like H.G. Wells says, right? H.G. Wells says they didn't do enough in those wars to actually implement. Like those didn't go far enough for world government and total control right. of all resources. Bertrand Russell also says those didn't go far enough in killing enough people. Those aren't good enough for destroying enough <clears throat> human beings because he hates us so much. Right, yet he, um, that, but he's going to make us happy by killing us all and giving us a great, happy world government. A very great deal of freedom to the individual national governments. And only those things controlled by the world government, which are absolutely necessary for the avoidance of war. Um, like like what you say on Twitter, or, or who, who who you associate with in, in, in the world. We we must control what you say, how you communicate, because that will that can of course lead to war. And we, we see all of this is played out. All of the things that these people talked about hundred years ago. Well, this isn't a hundred years ago. This is seventy. This is sixty nine years ago. Um, they are all coming into fruition and accelerating at a rapid pace. There's no plan for world government, though. That's, no, it's conspiracy that theory. That doesn't exist. Conspiracy theory. Even though there's Bertrand Russell there talking about it, it doesn't exist. And I love the response to, uh, well, he doesn't mean what you mean. I get that one a lot. Yeah. The most important and the most difficult of these is armed forces. All the important weapons of war will have to be in the hands of the international government. Like... The means of communication now, which they consider, and this is this is what has happened today, just in the last few hours, right? The big tech has come out and openly said, "We have to control what you say, who you hear, who's allowed to speak, including the heads of state, because you might you might hurt people, you might start a war, an insurrection." Well, it's funny. Another uh, odd thing in his book was the. He gloats about how technology has uh, come up with the bomb, the nuke. This is supposedly, uh, you know, going to be useful to depopulate. And then he turns around and he blames the masses for 
reckless wars and the development of nukes. <laughs> so he, he like he brags about it and he's like, well, you've created nuclear technology which could destroy us all. This is your fault. Therefore, we're going to have to take control of the nukes and use them. Why is all these all these British elite from this time period? They they all talk with the, the Nainsley accent and they all speak like this. Uh, what's uh, H. G. Wells' voice? H. G. Wells sounds like he's been having helium. Um, all they all sound like that. When that happens, war will become practically impossible. And if war were impossible, mankind could go ahead. If war is not impossible, every advance in scientific technique means an advance in mass murder and is therefore undesirable. But, yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's murder, saying that if we don't depopulate, the chaos of people will bring about the destruction of the human race. Therefore, we're justified in... Destroying the human race. <laughs> getting rid of most of the human race. <laughs> we have to destroy the human race to save the human yeah, race yeah, from yeah. the human That's, race, yeah. which might destroy the human race. If we don't destroy the human race, you must understand this, please. By the way, I'm not trying to be rude, but uh, I think I'm going to have to go. i got something i got to go do here in a little bit, but... Uh... Is that cool? Or are you going to be mad? We've been at, what? We've gone for an hour, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's that cool. cool. That's all good, man. Um, You're not mad, right? I'm not trying to be rude. I love you. Even though you have AIDS. I mean, I still love you. Little AIDS. You just have a little bit of it. Like, not a lot of AIDS. <laughs> just little AIDS. Yeah, I'm I have mad. 95% AIDS. I've got like, I don't know, 28% of AIDS. <laughs> right. Yeah, dude. No, it's all good. I'll just finish this myself. I want to finish this clip. Cool. Um, okay. Thanks, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch uh, catch up soon and do another stream movie-wise if you want to. Sure. Yeah, just let me know. Would you want to do um, one of the alien things? So, Jamie and I are going to do some alien movies. Yeah. Do you want to find a couple good, like, stupid, predictive propaganda alien movies to do okay, with. Yeah, there's a, I mean, you got like Fire in the Sky. Have you seen that one? That's an old. That's what one we're doing right now, yeah. Okay. So yeah. We, got a, we got a list of like 20 of them. But the, <laughs> so many. That one, that one is actually one of the better, I mean, it's not a good, great movie, but it's better than a lot of these. Communion is terrible. Yeah, the yeah. Whitley. I read Whitley Strieber's book, Communion, when I was oh, like, okay. I read it when I was like 10 years old, man. It freaked me out. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was you watch the movie now with Christopher Walken. It's pretty funny. I wow, gotta watch Aliens <laughs> and the Ass. Wow. wow. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, dude, I'm down for that. Well, I'm, I'm always down for Christopher Walken. He's, uh, he's got <laughs> okay. his voice is almost as good as Bertrand Russell's. Uh, Jay Dyer, everybody, you can find more at jaysanalysis.com. Uh, remember uh, to subscribe to Jay. Become a member of his website. And, uh, and next time we'll, uh, we'll do some, uh, we'll have some fun streams in the, in the future, but I'm, I'm gonna keep going guys. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm still going. I got a bunch, I got more clips. Congratulations on your reception into the Orthodox church, brother. Yeah, God man. Bless. Thank you. Thank Many you, years. Many years. Thank you very much, Jay. All right. Have, have a great night, Jay. God bless. Right. Thanks Pray for coming us. on, bro. Pray for us. Peace. Later, Jay. There we go. Jay Dyer. See, this, I almost started this. I was like. I almost started the stream, which just did it solo because Jay was late. He was doing another stream. <laughs> I got conf- I thought I confused him about the time. So Jay's late to the party and early to leave. And here I am all alone. Let's see. You got you guys are sticking around. Let's keep going though. We got Bertrand Russell talking about the need for world government because if we don't get world government, we don't dominate everybody. We don't dominate everyone. 
then we're not going to be able to evolve to be able to dominate everyone. <laughs> key. Ooh, the key. It's the keys. first point. Now, I come on to the question of approximate economic equality. As things stand at present, Western Europe, and still more the United States of America, have a high standard of life. On the whole, the great majority of mankind live fairly comfortably from a material point of view. Asia, on the other hand, lives in very, very great poverty. So does most of Africa. And the moment people are sufficiently educated to be aware of these facts, the inevitable result is a great development of envy in the poorer parts of the world. That envy is a cause of unrest. And ah, so, so again, he's... He's justifying, uh, we, we must make everything equal because people will not have envy. This envy in the poorer parts of the world, this will cause unrest and war. So in order to have our super state, our global technocracy, we must give everybody rations. We'll give them kibble rations. We must have a social credit system to control them. You can see the seeds of this new revolution that we've been seeing over the last few decades using technology, right, using cybernetic grids of human machine interface and then the next step which klaus schwab and the world economic forum are pushing which uh you know the gates type elite are pushing for next which is well we're going to have to have integration with computers right in tesla uh tesla musk uh, elon musk telling joe rogan that uh if if we don't become one with the ai then the ai is going to kill us so we have to let the ai inside of us so it won't kill us. Um, it's again, it's total madness. It's total freaking madness. We got uh, we got some super chats though. Let's uh, I'll throw the notifications back on so you guys can interrupt. Guys, guys. If you want to be the big man, guys, the big daddy. If you want to, be, if you want to be the big man, the big daddy, you must give a global government to all the plebs and give them kibble rations and social credits. Thank you very much. Stop the reset. Donated five bucks. Says you were looking jacked in the caption. <laughs> this photo. Oh, you're talking about the, the photo on Instagram. It says, I thought fiber was supposed to make it easier to go. Selfie from the outside toilet. Who does number two work for? Those are some good ones, right? Shout out to who does number two work for. That was my favorite one. And it's, it's I like it even more because it's an old friend of mine that I've known since I was fifth, no, 16. Shout out to Tony. Tone, good, good old tone. Hope all's going well with you and your family. I don't know if you watch these streams ever, but I know you, you watch the Instagram feed, and that was a great comment. Uh, ooh yeah, snapping to a slim gym. <laughs> You're showing what a meat-based diet can do. We'll we'll look through Instagram uh, on the next stream. We'll have another fun stream. Uh, oh, you know, there's another stream coming up with Jay. That's gonna be fun with uh, this chick Veganica, this lady Veganica. She wants to do a uh, she wants to debate or discuss. Um, Christianity and veganism with Jay and myself, and that'll be fun. So that's the next one that Jay and I do. Uh, we'll do together, and then we'll do uh, some alien, the fake and galians uh, streams. That'll be fun. Aaron Burrows donated two bucks through super chat. Says starting the super chat cascade. Now it's your turn. That's what's up, Aaron Burrows. Starting the super chat cascade. But look, Aaron, you did it wrong. Like the vegans, 
you got to use Streamlabs because Super Chat goes to YouTube. Streamlabs doesn't pay YouTube because F YouTube. Uh, Master Ninja donated 15 bucks. Doesn't say nothing. DeWitt Segastroom donated 15 bucks through Super Chat. Let's let's get a note. We'll replay that. <laughs> That's racism, man. I love to racism, bro. It's, it's, almost, it's almost time for new Super Chat notifications, isn't it? It takes so long to make them, but I think I'm going to have to. We've had the same ones for several months now. Thank you, Master Ninja. Donated 15 bucks. Said nothing. DeWitt, Sacostume. Donated 15 bucks through Super Chat. Said nothing. Thank you guys for the support. I really appreciate the support. Uh, the channel needs your support. We get no support from YouTube. So it's up to you guys to share the videos. Because YouTube will not. It's up for, to you guys to share this with your friends and family. And to support the streams if you enjoy them. And uh, you can support by sharing them. By thumbing it up. But... I don't know if the thumbs up help as much as sharing them directly, right? Share the links. Share the links on your Instagram and your social media. Um, Richard Daly donated five euros through Super Chat. Thank you, Richard Daly. He says, can I join the chat? You're in the chat, dude. We're not doing open lines or anything like that. You can't join the stream. I, I only talk to certified e-celebrities. And like my favorite channel out there on YouTube right now, Jay Dyer. My homie, Jay Dyer. We ain't mad at you, Jay. We ain't mad at you. Me and you, you know, we're always late to these streams. You sometimes, you often, always, always slash often, later than I am. I'm always a little late. You're always a lot late. And uh, we, we, we ain't mad. Leave it, coming, coming late, leaving early it is what it is. We, we know you've got important, real, you got like celebrities to hang out with and whatnot. And uh, you, know, you don't have time for us, so... Uh, you cannot join the chat, though, Richard Daly, unless your name is Jay Dyer, who's in the title. He can join the chat. He can even come back to the chat. Uh, Jerome donated 25 bucks. says, um, is it the church's duty to push back against this degenerate world, or can we only call it out for what it is? Also, how do you feel about moving out of cities versus keeping a career and fighting back more directly? Um, it's not that it's the church's duty. It's the function of the church is to provide salvation Right, this is the, the to be the vehicle of the grace of God in this fallen world. So it's not the church's duty to dominate and destroy on like the uh, on a worldly level these people who choose using their free will given to them by God. It's not the church's uh, or, or our responsibility to go and you know dominate all these people and and uh, and force them to behave as we want them to behave. They've been given free will. Right? We all have free will. We have the will to sin or to repent. Right? And, and I think that's the most important thing to understand. It's like we, we're not going to change and, and, and create a, a worldly utopia. Right? This idea of creating a worldly utopia results in just becoming demonic just like these people. Right? Becoming spiteful, hateful, envious, and doing these shameful things that these degenerates do. That's not our job. But the church is the vessel of salvation. So that's what's up. Thank you very much, Jerome, uh, for that $25 don uh, donation. I appreciate that. Come over here to chat. <laughs> Look at these bigots. Look at the big, like, there are like 30 bigots left. I'm going to find a list of the people who left when Jay left. You guys aren't allowed to come back. You guys are not allowed to come back. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Um... All right. Let's see. 
Back to Bertrand Russell. Thank you guys for the support. Keep supporting. Shout out to Jay Dyer. Jay Dyer is still apologizing. Jay Dyer, the more you apologize, the more I'm just going to make fun of you. Don't, don't apologize, Jay. We appreciate the stream. Ryan Jones, you're out of here. Later, bro. We got, we got some, we got some people. We got mutiny in the chat. Get out of here. Inevitably makes world peace precarious. There's only one way of dealing with it, which is to produce approximate economic equality. Which, of course, it's a long story, but it can be done. The third point about population is very vital indeed. The food supply of the world tends at present to diminish through the, the food supplier. Oh, there's going to be limited resources, right? He's going to go for this Malthusian pseudoscience nonsense. Of the soil. It tends, of course, also to increase through various technical advances. But those two are about balance, so that on the whole, the food produce of the world does not increase appreciably. Now that means that unless everybody is to be very poor, especially if you have economic equality, unless everybody is to be very poor, there must be not more people to be fed, not many more than there are now. And therefore you've got to get approximate economic equality. Approximate equality. <laughs> so we need economic equality and food rations in world government. That'll save you. Quality of population and approximately stationary population. Otherwise... Those parts of the world where the population increases fast, we want to go to war with those where it increases slowly. So the, the exact, it's the Bill Gates philosophy, it's the World Economic Forum philosophy, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, depopulation, it's the National Security State Memorandum 200 by Henry Kissinger philosophy, which that was influenced through Rockefeller. Right. Oh, I don't know. Was it David Rockefeller and uh, or um, uh, the other one? I don't think it was Nelson. I think it might have been David Rockefeller, who commissioned Kissinger to do the National Security State Memorandum 200 study. National Security Study Man Memorandum 200. Excuse me. If you search NSSM 200, you can read this document, which outlines the need to enact genocide against growing populations in the third world, because of limited resources that need to be controlled by the government, by the state. That brings us precisely... And this is, you know, this is 20 years after Bertrand Russell's speech right here. These people, you know, H.G. Wells was talking about this in the 20s and 30s as well. Um, Malthus, who was this Anglican nut job, came up with this very pseudo-scientific, completely unscientific theory of limited food resources by putting fruit flies in a jar. I, don't, I shit you not. This is what they, fruit fruit flies in a jar eventually won't have enough space in the jar and they'll die. Therefore, the British elite establishment have to control all resources and breeding and kill off the weak so that the strong can survive, like fruit flies in a jar and have enough space. To the problem of Asia and what part Asia will play in the immediate future. Well, Asia, first of all, has risen to the point of education, some Asians have, where it is not prepared any longer to be subservient to the white man. It hasn't noticed that Russians are white. 
if it had, it would take a different line. But uh, it seems to think that Russians are yellow or black or some other color. And uh, I think our propaganda ought to be mainly devoted to saying only Russians also are white. I believe that would be the effective propaganda to use in Asia. But I pass that point back. And so it's all about pelvic blood flow. You get inadequate clitoral engorgement. Um, uh, oh, and, um, um, a, uh, Super uh, Coomer, Dr. Gregor. Super Coomer, Dr. Gregor. DB donated five bucks. Says Aaron said he'll ban me. I'm a bigot. Yeah, you can't ban DB. If you ban DB, he'll only be able to communicate with me through Streamlabs. Which is now, now the only way that the President of the United States can communicate with me is through Streamlabs as well. <laughs> Everybody can't be banning DB. Leave DB alone. Perfectly futile. Absolutely futile. There you go. Now, now Aaron Burroughs is openly extorting members of the chat. Aaron Burroughs. Man, I would I would ban you right now, Aaron, if you didn't give me my my honorary black card earlier. Right? As a BIPOC, we have to stand together, so I won't ban you. For the white man to resist that game. It will infallibly win. Infallibly. And we ought therefore to concede it graciously at once when we do it. To concede complete equality to, to Asia. But if Asia is not to overwhelm the rest of the world with a vast flood of population and poverty. Asia must live up to its responsibilities and must learn the sort of things we have learned in the West, which is how uh, to properly kill babies. The roughly stationary population. And uh, if they can't learn that, which I fully believe they can learn, and learn quickly, much more quickly than most people think, if they can't learn that, they will not have won their claim to equality. So, you know, more, more, of this, more of this looking at human beings as environmental toxins, right? Humans, humans are just environmental toxins that need to be eliminated. Humans are just things that need to be brought to heal. Human beings are just pests to be eradicated. And those Asians, they're having too many babies and they need to be brought to heal. Um, so again, just more, more nuttery from, uh, from Bertrand Russell, right? the, the high priest of scientism from, uh, this is from 1952, from 1952, Bertrand Russell, thank you so much for teaching us the, uh, the enlightened ways of, um, of the self-proclaimed British elite. Bertrand Russell, again, you know, his personal life was just, it was in as, in as much of shambles as was his philosophical life. I mean, Bertrand Russell had, I think it was something like four divorces. Let's see. Bertrand Russell divorces. He was divorced at least three or four times, I guess. Um, loving Bertrand Russell. What can we learn about Russell's life as a philosopher? So Bertrand Russell... We'll take a look at his life. Here's a good article here. What can be learned about Bertrand Russell's life as a philanderer, not a philosopher, as a philanderer? So again, another one of these free love type people, right? Um, Bertrand Russell 
had several divorces. Let's see. There's a severe deficit, uh, deficit of literature describing Russell's third marriage to the young Patricia Spence, who was 22, to Russell's 64 years when they tied the knot in 1936. She was an attractive Oxford undergrad with whom Russell fathered his second son, Conrad, who later became a prominent historian. Patricia, too, must have been something of a scholar, cited as a major contributor to Russell's history of Western philosophy among his most popular publications. Oh, one can only imagine how jumbled and retarded that book is. <laughs> I've not read his history of Western philosophy, uh, but uh, you had me at Western philosophy. Um, that, that must be a, a cluster, uh, a, uh, what are they, the cluster fook of a, of a book. Given her age and lack of experience, 22, this dude was 64, married a chick a third of his age. That, 22, that is disgusting. 64-year-old man with a 22-year-old girl. That is disgusting. That was, <laughs> uh, given her age and lack of experience, Russell's third wife must have contrasted Dora in just about every way. And this could well be considered his motivation for pursuing the relationship. Their bond spanned 13 years. At least it lasted a little bit. Ending cacophonously in 1949, the subsequent, uh, subsequent rift between lovers foiled Russell's relationship with Conrad, who did not again see his father until the winter of 1968, a meeting which, for both of them, caused a permanent breach with Patricia. So this dude's got estranged children who don't even want to talk to him. He's got a bunch of ex-wives. Those small affairs surely thrived amid Russell's third and fourth marriages. <laughs> fourth marriage! His flight from Patricia began the summation of his career as a womanizer, which at 80 years might warrant remark in itself. So, hey, what a surprise. Bertrand Russell was a miserable coomer. He was, he was a miserable coomer. Russell's third and final divorce was finalized in 1952. Okay, so then he got a final marriage after that, I guess. That must have lasted a little bit. Almost six days after his, uh, six decades rather after his first marriage in 1894. Oddly enough, it was by the remains of his relationship with Alice that Russell happened upon his fourth marriage, the only one he appeared loath to abandon, discounting the great departure of death. <laughs> That's racism, man. I love to racism, bro. So, before he died, and in the shambles of his third marriage, he made his final marriage. Let's see, who was his final marriage? A woman named Lucy Donnelly, an acclaimed teacher of English whose countenance he had met by Alice's introduction. So his third wife introduced him to his fourth wife. Um, what, what, a great, what a great man, Bertrand Russell. Uh, jumping from woman to woman, 64 years, 66 years old, and marrying a 22-year-old. And then his 22-year-old wife, he, got, he finished with her and married another woman that she introduced him to. And then he died miserable with children that wouldn't speak to him as a creepy old coomer. What a surprise. Rats Flatigan, what's up, man? Thank you, Rats Flatigan. Rats Flatigan donated $5. Says many years, brother, and hopefully many streams, too. Hey, you guys like the streams? We'll keep doing the streams. We got, if the bigots support the streams, I must do the streams. And one of the bigots has spoken. Rats Flatigan wants more streams, and he shall receive more streams. 
Thank you guys for the support of these streams. If I end this stream now, I might have more energy to do a stream perhaps tomorrow, perhaps tomorrow or Sunday. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna talk to, uh, well, I got to coordinate with Vaganica and Jay and see when we can get the next stream, which hopefully we can start punctually at the time which we agree upon starting the stream at and get everybody to join the stream at the scheduled time that we agree on doing the stream at and uh, we could get Jay and Veganica on and I guess that's gonna that'll be fun that'll be a fun one so um no that didn't happen that fell through we'll see what happens with that hopefully hopefully that happens um so yeah we got uh we got I don't know what else is going on in the world guys it's been such a boring year so far 2021 like nothing's really happened Nothing worth, nothing, I don't know, what's happened? <sighs> there's, there's, there's never a lack of things that we'd like to talk about here. But of course, this being YouTube, there's a great lack of things that you're allowed to talk about. Um, yeah, you, you guys, I mean, everybody's seeing the purging that's going on all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to get updates on what we're doing, and you want to get our support and you want to get in our weekly coaching calls, best way to do that is going to be becoming a member. Become a member, primaledgehealth.com backslash membership. There's a link in the description down below. Become a member. We do weekly coaching calls. You can get in on those coaching calls and get support from us as well as a community of really cool, like-minded people from all different walks of life. And uh, yeah, if you're trying to dial in your diet, improve your health, that's the best way, and that's a, a better way, probably a better way for most people as far as affordability goes, to get coaching from us on a weekly basis and have support from us in our community. Uh, so become a member, primaledgehealth.com slash membership. The next meeting, coaching call is tomorrow at what time? 2 p.m. EST. 2 p.m. Tomorrow we have our coaching call. So I, maybe I'll do a stream tomorrow night. I've got, there's so much to talk about. There's so many things to... Uh, to talk about as far as this food system reformation, this attempted food system overhaul that's going on in this great reset, which people need to stand up and oppose, right? We need to stand up and oppose this or there will be nothing left to fight for really soon. So we got an all-out blitz of censorship going on and, uh, and all these platforms. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be the best way to get in touch with us. That's going to be the best way to get supported by us. Uh, let's see... What else? Any other announcements here? I'm, I'm going to do my best to do a stream tomorrow. We'll talk about food. We'll talk about the, uh, the, the myth of sustainability, right? Sustainable development. Sustainable food systems. Rockefeller Foundation's food system reset. Resetting the table document. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the lies of plant foods being somehow more sustainable and good for the environment than animal foods. Right, I mean, it's uh, there's too much to talk about. Maybe I'll do an Instagram live instead, though. Instagram lives are fun because people can jump in, you can do live debates and stuff. But you follow me on Instagram for however long we're allowed to be there, um, and you can get in touch with us by becoming a member at PrimalEdgeHealth.com as well. Thank you guys so much for the support. It is World Carnivore Month too. Forgot about that. It's World Carnivore Month, so. We got new recipes at the website as well, primaledgehealth.com. And uh, if you want to get updated, if you want to get updated on our work, 
Uh, make sure to join our email list, which I don't see a link. There's no link. No. Is there a? No. Yeah. There's no email list link. Get immediate access to our exclusive subscriber. Oh, uh, you got to make that more clear. Um, yep, you guys, there's an email list link down in the description below as well. You can join our email list. If you want to know when we're doing these streams and get informed when these streams are going to happen, join the email list. Uh, but we need your help getting the word out. This channel cannot grow. Every time we do a stream, YouTube removes several hundred subscribers. They've hard stopped any growth and any spread and any organic discovery of this channel via YouTube. We need you guys to share this stuff. We need you to share this on your, uh, your freaking uh, social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. Or we can't get the word out. Right? We can't. And we need your support as well. We want to thank you guys who did support you know, one last chance for the Streamlabs. That's the best way to support. Don't support YouTube. Support via Streamlabs. So thank you to everybody who has supported. We got we had some some big swingers coming in today. Rusty Shackle 4D. Thank you very much. The top bigot of the night. Ryan S 1980. Another big bigot. Exposing powerful lies. Number two bigot of the night. I think. Um, Autistic Spectrum Warrior. Matt. Who else? Stop the reset. Aaron Burrows. Jerome. Rat Splatagam, Richard Daly, of course, DeWitt, Master Ninja, and Aaron Burroughs. Stop the Reset as well. I don't know if I already read that name. Um, thank you guys so much for the support. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Later, guys. And of course, uh, subscribe to Jay Dyer as well. He wasn't here the last few minutes, but check out Jay Dyer's channel as well. So I'm out of here, everybody. Have a good one. And uh, yeah, I hope to uh, hope to see you guys soon back on YouTube. So get out, get off the computers, get off the social media, right? Create real relationships in your communities. Get out there in the real world, in the real world, and go live your lives. Bye, everybody.